As awful as blindness is with its limitations, blindness is more than a merely physical problem. James tells us in the epistle something of what it means to see with God's eyes. He begins by telling us not to look at others the way that we might naturally do. We're not to practice favoritism, social prejudice. Now, you know, we all live in some social context, but social status is not how Christians respond and relate to others. And the issue is our faith. It's our way of seeing. And that which we truly believe will manifest itself in what we do. Now, this is multifaceted. Some matters of faith seem to be more fundamental than others. For example, what do we believe about Scripture? Do we believe that it's true and reliable even when it says things that are thought impractical or seemingly impossible? You see, being a Christian is wrapped up in an act of faith. And through that, we enter a new dimension, a new way of looking at the world. And no, we do not comprehend everything at once. We can live as Christians for decades and still be discovering implications of our faith. And yet God's Spirit is forever working in His people, helping them to see and understand more and more, and in seeing, to obey. Now, today's reading puts a spotlight on how we treat each other. This is because the way that we treat others is rooted in one of two sets of values or ways of seeing, God's or the world's. The world says that tangible earthly riches and status are what is important. God says it is far more important to be rich in faith toward him. The world says that riches mean security. God tells us there is no lasting security in this world and that he is the only real security. The world tells us that what counts is what we see. God tells us that what we see is only temporary and what counts is what is unseen. So Jesus tells us, stir up treasures for yourself in heaven, for where your treasure is is where your heart will be. So what do we see when we look at others? Well, it depends on whether we are looking with eyes rooted in this world or through eyes of faith. If we only see earthly success or failure, the issue is not with the people that we're looking at. The issue is our way of seeing. And God is wanting us to understand that faith in Jesus brings us to a choice about the way that we see life in this world. You know, before anything else, Christians are people who both follow 
and model their lives after a man who died a criminal's death in public execution. It's only by faith that we can call that a victory. The unbelieving world does not see it that way. And once we see Jesus for something other than he appears to the world, we can then take the next step and begin to see other people differently as well. This means that influential people, from the world's point of view, do not, on that basis, deserve influence in the church. And likewise, people who are easily thought to be losers by looking at them may be wise and of great benefit for the church. I remember how God taught me this early in my pastoral ministry. Now remember, I come from a different faith tradition. I was 24 years old in my first pastorate. It was small, what we would call a mission church. Our first child was on the way. We had very little money, and we did not have a washer or a dryer. There was a professional man in our church who had plenty of money, and he enjoyed giving, and he gave well to the church. Now, this was a small church. I met weekly with every man in a one-on-one discipleship and vision-casting time, and this man would meet with me every week and treat me to surf and turf at a nice restaurant. And one day as we ate, he said that he wanted to help us in some substantial way, and he offered to buy us a washer and a dryer. Libby and I were humbled and thrilled. But this man had some deep personal problems in addition to his great generosity. He was also accustomed to having his opinion accepted. A big decision came up in the church, and he was not consulted because of his deep spiritual weaknesses. And he did not like the decision that was made, and he did not like it even more because I neither sought his opinion nor changed my mind when he gave me his opinion. And then he looked at me and said, yeah, but you'll take my money. I went home and told Libby. We had a personal line of credit on our puny checking account and decided to repay him. I figured the price of the washer and the dryer as well as a number of those meal prices. And then I made an appointment with him at the restaurant. When the waitress came at the table, I immediately said, separate bills, please. And he looked at me sort of surprised. And then we gave our order. And after the waitress left, I pulled a check out of my pocket and pushed it across the table. And I said to him, Money is not going to keep me from responding to God and to you in faithfulness. This covers what you have given me. He looked as though I had slapped him in the face. And he looked at me again and pushed the check back and said, This is not necessary. No one has ever stood up to my money. I know you're only trying to be faithful and to do what is right. 
I want you to have what I have given, and I will continue to support the church. God calls us to faithfulness, no matter who the other person is. In the church, we are to relate to one another in faithfulness, letting our faith set the standard for how we see the world and one another. A wealthy person with little spiritual maturity should not have leadership or high position. But partiality is only one of the issues that James addresses in his whole letter. God's total faithfulness expressed through his people is the issue for James. If we practice favoritism or prejudice instead of merciful love, we're denying the very essence of our faith, which is belief in God's mercy through Christ. Faith is all-encompassing. And James knows how easily we can rationalize. We can try to hide our weaknesses behind our strengths. We can try to justify our discriminations. We can find so-called explanations that basically say Jesus did not really mean much of what he says. But this is a reminder that we do not offer ourselves to God because we do everything right. No one does everything right. We come to God again and again on the basis of his mercy. And as we trust God's mercy, we extend that mercy to others. So we don't judge people on a mere social or external basis. Our focus as Christians is one, to be on Jesus. And then with that, to show mercy, because we all need mercy. Now, I know this doesn't answer every question or solve every problem. But what it does is cast our attitudes and our behaviors in a certain direction to keep our faith directed at Jesus and all the truth that is in him. Remember. We are in a spiritual war for our souls. Two opposing sides, and they're quite different. One side offers us a world of the good life with a focus on things like nice houses and well-dressed people and pleasant activities. On the other side, we see a lonely man who claims to be the king of the world only his crown is made of thorns, and his life seems to have ended in failure. To this day, it can look like the world of wealth and power is the winner. Which side do we believe? James tells us that what we believe will, among other things, affect the way we respond to social status. Let's keep our eyes on Jesus.